and resume for our talk number two. Well, I think people are just talking too much. Okay, so if we're ready, we'll quiet down just a moment so Father can continue on for his second talk. And, you know, the plan was to wrap up by about 12 noon, so we'll gun for that. But if we go a little over, that's okay as well. Okay? All right, thanks, Father. You guys hear that humming? If I stand here, there isn't one. No, there it is again. Huh. Those on my right shall enter. Let's see. Does that sound like it's working? Okay. It's back. Huh. Okay, I'll stay over here. So we've had a chance to be together this morning in part one, and we talked about the need to get up. And so if you look on this little resource guide you have, the inside part is called part two, staying up. And I'm more interested in you staying up, and that's why it's folded in such a way. Thank you again, Sandra, uh, who put this together, uh, printed it, uh, so you can have that in your prayer corner. Um, We're going to go through these um, little ideas. Um, Before that, though, I'd like to spend a little time, and I know a couple of you came up during the break with some questions, and I asked you, you know, bring those up in our Q&A at the end, because I think the questions you asked, even though it was on part one, would be beneficial for those of you, uh, probably you have the same question they asked. Um, But in part one of our talk, we spent some time reviewing the parable of the prodigal son and some of the elements of the story that relate to the idea of getting up. In part two, we're going to turn our attention towards the idea of remaining upright and walking in Christ. Now, to get us started, I want to take you through a few passages of Scripture. I want you to consider them. There's a number of them here, um, but I'll read them for you, and I think they're familiar. The first is from Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Here the Lord says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord? and not do the things which I ask you. Our second passage comes from St. James when he writes in the first chapter, verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And then finally in Matthew chapter 25, verse 34 through 36, and this is the reading that accompanies us the day before we go into Great Lent, Then the king will say to those on his right hand, (laughs) I found out last night I'm the king of nine, what's it called, nine? Air square. 
Do you guys know Air Square? I played it last night. It's in your gym. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Now, in all three of the verses that I just read to you, we find the same idea. Be a doer. That the receiving of the message of Christ leads us, or should, towards action. This morning, we want to consider a Christian life, and this is the first thing that you find in part two, that is marked by intention and direction. To borrow a phrase from Father Barnabas Powell, to be orthodox on purpose. Now, as with every season of fasting, the one that we're in, Advent, also invites us to move our lives back into a spiritual manner of living. To learn once again the apostolic and timeless and biblical practice of being disciplined, of a disciplined spiritual life, and of even spiritual warfare. So what we're going to talk about in this second part is a faith in action. A faith that demonstrates the truth and existence of both faith and its cooperating works. Ephesians 2.10 For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, I've got this additional quote. It's from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 21. It's long, but I think it's worth hearing. So settle in a little bit. This is St. Peter speaking or writing. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts. See how this is really talking about those who had been fallen but now are upright, okay? which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves. Also in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. If you address as Father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, Conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth. St. Peter wrote my talk. Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold 
from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood. As of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. It's a fantastic passage of Scripture. All that Christ did All that the Father has done, all that the Holy Spirit hopes for, was done for you. So, what we are after is a life in Christ that is transformed. You know, I don't know, and, uh, you know, it's, it's always, I'll admit it, a little daunting to speak uh, when Father George is present. And I mean this in a beautiful way because Father George is truly a student of the faith. He, he knows so much about the faith. So sometimes when I say things, you know, they're really Father Evan-isms. Um, I, may, I may be on firm footing, but when we look at the icon of our Lord Jesus on the icon screen, and to his left is the icon of St. John the Baptist, and we know that they were kinsmen, right? They were related. Elizabeth and Mary were relatives. And so if we look at their faces, what do you notice? They look alike. You ever notice that? Now, on the one hand, we could say, well, this is simply the iconographer depicting a scriptural truth, that they were relatives. But on the other hand, we can look at them and we can say, didn't the Lord say that there was no greater man who ever walked the face of this earth? St. John was the greatest of men, save one himself. So he looks a lot like Jesus. Right? So salvation is transformational. It's not transactional. God sees in us Jesus. So we're speaking of a new reality. That's why in um, that wonderful city of Florence, Italy. The building for the baptismal, the baptismal building is eight-sided. And some of our ancient fonts, right, are eight-sided. Because we've entered into the new day, into new creation. When you enter into the font and come out, you're not the same. You didn't just get wet. How many days of the week are there? Seven. But the Lord's day is the eighth day, the new day. It's a new reality, a new time. We're something new in Christ. And that's why St. Paul wrote in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. For the balance of our time together, I want to speak to you about some of the ways the church helps us to stay upright and walking in Christ. So the first one. 
imitate Jesus and the Holy Trinity. There's nothing better than just being completely obvious. What's the first step? Be like Jesus. We have to start here, and this may seem obvious, but I'm not sure that it is anymore. All too often, people who claim to be Christians are not really little Christ. Isn't that what Christian means? It means a little Christ. My son in his first grade class has gotten to the stage of world history where they are introducing the three Judeo-Christian religions. Christian, or Judaism, Christianity, and uh, Islam. So every day he would come home from school and he would say, Baba, do you think Owen is Christian? I don't, I don't know who Owen is. Oh, he's my friend. We play at recess. Do you think Owen's Christian? Is Owen a saint? I don't know. He might be. How about Garrett? Garrett's probably Christian. I think they have a Christmas tree. He's Christian. <laughs> and every day he would go through, you know, another kid at class. Is he Christian? You see, what's interesting is that the title Christian was not self-applied. Other people who saw these followers of Jesus said, those people are Christians. Why did they say it? Because they were copying the life of Jesus. They were imitating him. If today you're at Target... I use Target because I'm in Minneapolis. Um, and you are at the checkout line, and you watch people. Can you go, oh, Christian, not Christian, Christian, not Christian, not, not, not Christian. But that's really what's supposed to happen. Just like I mentioned on the icon screen, you're supposed to be able to see someone, and in seeing them, you go, they look a lot like Jesus.